prom in the 80s was a rite of passage as far as I was concerned. Prom is the perfect place for young love to burn bright. It was a, a day that we looked forward to all year long. You picture this romantic, dim lighting, slow dancing, just fabulous, fun-filled evening with a person that you really care about. But it's also a place where it can crash and burn. I was miserable. I, I was miserable the whole night. It can take years to work through the wreckage of your first heartache. And it can take decades to find what you couldn't back then. This whole thing was out of my, you know, very genuine personal heartbreak. And, uh, but also, you know, just uh, 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 being a jackass. I still picture myself as this very naive, uninformed <laughs> high school girl. I'd like to say that's changed since then. Probably not. When I got out of school and left Harlan, I still had our prom picture in my first apartment. I had, uh, had uh, our prom picture up on the wall. I'm Tay Diggs, and from Sony Music Entertainment, this is You Had Me at Hello, the show where everyday people share their extraordinary stories of how they met and fell in love, and sometimes how things later fell apart. Love, its highs and lows, mess and drama, awkwardness and laughs come with us as we celebrate it all. This week, a story of high school romance that leads to a prom gone wrong, and how time really is a great healer. This is Revenge Prom. Uh, Harlan, Iowa, is in the southwest part of the state, near the Missouri River. Suffice to say, we are out in the middle of nowhere. That's Jeff. In the winter of 1975, his family moved from Minnesota to Harlan, Iowa, when he was 14 years old. Harlan is a typical small Midwest town, which you can drive across in five minutes. There's a movie theater, a few restaurants, and the school. But beyond that, not much for kids like Jeff to do. When we moved uh, to Harlan uh, from Minnesota, it was in the middle of my seventh grade year. So I was going into what we called junior high school at that time. And uh, young, callow, nervous, insecure, <laughs> socially awkward. It's the start of the spring semester, 1976. Jeff is anxious to keep a low profile at his new school. But word about his arrival ripples through Harlan's junior high before Jeff even walks through the doors. In my old school in Minnesota, I had started uh, playing saxophone and, and singing. And somehow it got down to my new school in Harlan that I was some kind of virtuoso player already. So expectations are huge, as if I weren't nervous and awkward enough. 
Jeff shows up to his first day at school wearing new jeans and a plaid shirt. He's got longish dark hair that has a slight wavy kink and wears aviator glasses. <laughs> he looks as cool as you're imagining. I hit town right uh, before solo one ensemble competition season with my little saxophone and, uh, uh, you know, a song in my heart. The school's band director quickly takes the shine to Jeff and encourages him to compete. And he said, you're, we're going to have to find you a piano player. And I'm like, I don't know anybody. So he hooked me up with Kelly. Jeff came across as a very confident big man on campus. Kelly is 13 years old and the grade below Jeff. She is well known in the music department at school, an extremely talented piano player and vocalist who regularly takes part in show choir and musicals. Okay, she is super cute. What do I do with this? Jeff likes Kelly immediately. Kelly's a natural blonde, and uh, her hair was really uh, wavy, and she kind of shoulder length most of that time. She had uh, these uh, black glasses that were kind of nerdy looking, but on her it really did something. She kind of nerd chic, you know? <laughs> but Jeff is a 14-year-old kid in junior high in a new town. He doesn't quite know how to make the first move. I was really shy and awkward. Uh, with girls. I mean, painfully shy and awkward with girls. What came across to me was a very confident, sometimes almost cocky musician. Maybe that was the facade and deep down, you know, he's feeling that insecurity. Kelly's instincts are right and she figures out Jeff pretty quickly. Meanwhile, Jeff is trying to figure out how he is going to play music with this confident, talented, wavy-haired girl that he has a major crush on. Kelly kind of zinged with me right away, and so much so, I was too shy to ask her to rehearse. That would have entailed she and I together in a small room, and I would have been a blithering idiot. <laughs> Jeff is so afraid of making himself look like a fool that he and Kelly never actually get to practice. Being unprepared was not something Kelly was used to in general, but especially not in a competition. I was a very conscientious student. I wanted to do well. Grades were good. Behavior was good. Goody two-shoes maybe have, would have come out of some mouths here and there. I don't know. I had to beg her the day of Solon Ensemble to go ahead and play for me, even though we'd never gotten together. Once he started to play, it was kind of a, wow, he is good. Any awkwardness or tension between them soon melts away. Jeff is as good as the Harlan kids expected him to be. He sings and blows his horn, and just like that, he blows Kelly away. Somebody who's got that really deep bass voice, oh, you gotta love that. <laughs> so I'm a swooner. I'm a swooner. After his swoon-inducing performance, Kelly quickly welcomes Jeff into her tight-knit group of friends. We had just a group of us that 
you know, we loved the music. We were in a lot of groups together. If it wasn't face sound, it was um, the swing choir is what they used to call it. It, it was it was really much like Glee, only we were maybe slightly less annoying than those people. But just like in Glee, for the music kids, swing choir is all about glitz, glamour, and fierce competition, both within the choir and against other schools. After hours of practicing together, perfecting their chords and their harmonies, Jeff and Kelly develop a friendship. And that bond helps the school claim victory in lots of competitions. They make their very own Mr. Shoe proud, although he doesn't always show it. Vocal director was a little tyrant, but, uh, you know, he made us sing. And uh, uh, also made us wear ridiculous outfits. Mm-mm-mm. I'm talking tight shorts, bow ties, suspenders, sailor hats. <laughs> they really do look as cool as you're imagining. Not the cool kids, hey? <laughs> um, we were cool in our own minds, probably, but music was definitely the love. And their love of music means that Jeff and Kelly find themselves in each other's company almost daily. But from their first performance together... It takes a couple of years before they figure out how to move from friendship to something more. I could tell he was interested, but not enough to go up and make it happen. There's no official, do you want to go steady, moment. But it's clear. The boy with the aviator glasses and the girl with the wavy blonde hair are finally together. And before you know it, 16-year-old Kelly and 17-year-old Jeff go from having a teenage crush to blossoming young love. They continue to spend almost every day together, at show choir, supporting each other at performances, and hanging out at home after school. In the Midwest, in the U.S., your basement is where the, the kids and the teens hang out. We would get together at his home. Or we would get together at my parents' house, go down to the basement. They watch movies, chat about their friends. And she'd have me comb her hair. He would brush my hair because it felt good. And he knew I liked it. I'm like, seriously, how many guys are going to sit and do that for you in high school? Not many. <laughs> he treated me like a princess. I knew that I was loved. The young lovebirds date for a year. A pretty long time in high school. Their love is burning bright, and there's no denying that they've fallen for each other. Jeff thinks it's time to let Kelly know just how deep his feelings are. What I remember is being downstairs in the basement at our house and him bringing out this box. And, of course, my eyes go, because I'm like, I'm not getting married to anybody. And I'm like, okay, no. I'm in high school. We're not doing this. And he opened the box, and it's this beautiful little diamond ring. And he, you know, just said, basically, this is because I care for you, and I, I would like you to wear it. 
I think I talked it over with my mom, who was kind of skeptical. But she said, you know, if you really feel you want to do that, by, by all means, just, you know, be careful. Don't spend too much. Is this a promise ring? I remember him looking at me and saying, you know, Kel, I can't even promise you that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So I wouldn't say it's a promise ring, but it's how I feel right now. It isn't a conventional promise ring, but it is a promise. A promise that she'd always mean something to him, that what they have will always be special. Just like the first time they played music together, 16-year-old Kelly is blown away. It was very meaningful for me. Jeff and Kelly cared deeply for each other. But by its very nature, young love is vulnerable to those classic teenage feelings of self-doubt and insecurity. And for Kelly, who is a grade below Jeff, those insecurities only grow as his graduation approaches. I did see him as the big man on campus kind of guy. He was going to college, which in my head was college girls and parties and temptation. More after the break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It's April 1980. Jeff and Kelly have been together for over a year now, and it's Jeff's senior year of high school. The big end-of-school milestone, the senior prom, is just around the corner. I had plans to go to a, a small liberal arts college that was across the state. I was quite aware that, you know, very soon I'd be going here and she'd be, you know, back home. Kelly, a junior, not a senior, is seriously doubting whether she has a place in Jeff's future. I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want him to come back from college one day and say, oh, hey, Kel, I've got a new girlfriend. See ya. Kelly is convinced that cool, charming, confident Jeff will run off to college and forget all about her. He, on the other hand, is not even convinced he's cool at all. The impression that I got was that uh, I, I wasn't cool enough. I never got the feeling that I was too cool for. <laughs> not once. He talks about this self-confidence. I'm like, dang, I didn't feel like that. The school day is about to start, and Jeff is late to band practice. I'm dragging my horn over my uh, and my books uh, into the band room, and uh, a couple of Kelly's friends kind of blocked my way and said, uh, okay, uh, Jeff, Kelly really uh, needs to see you right away. She's got something she needs to talk to you about. It's very important, and uh, you need to go talk to her before class. So he goes in search of Kelly.
sitting on a piano bench and uh, uh, I walk in the room and I'm like sweaty and exasperated and late and I'm going, Kel, what's up? As Jeff stands in front of Kelly by the piano, she's hit by the gravity of what she's about to do. Jeff is her best friend, her musical partner, her first true love, but all the music they've made together can't drown out the fear that their relationship is going to ultimately, and very soon, leave her brokenhearted. And uh, she looks at me and kind of teary, and she immediately says, uh, Jeff, I think, I think we need to break up. Just completely out of left field. I did not see this coming. Jeff tries his best to get answers, but with Kelly in tears and band practice starting, he doesn't have enough time to figure out how. I felt so horrible about what I had done. I have blocked it out. Kelly may find it hard to recall the finer details, but for Jeff, this day is seared in his memory. It's a moment of deep sadness and confusion, and the timing could not have been worse. So she's hitting me with uh, the, the breakup three weeks before prom. Uh, I just bought a suit. It was being tailored as we spoke. In a last-ditch attempt, Jeff tries to turn it around. He wants to find a sign that she doesn't really mean it. Eye contact, body language, a word. He really wants her to say something. I'm getting ready to leave this tiny little room and we go in for the breakup hug. And, uh, you know, the guy always thinks, well, you do the breakup hug and maybe she'll change your mind. No, that does not happen. The breakup hug is goodbye, fellas. If you haven't experienced it, you know, that is not your last chance. That's the exit window. Jeff picks up his horn, opens the practice room door, and just as he's about to step into the hallway, Kelly does find the words. But we're still going to prom, right? Just not the words he expected. You know, the teenage girl brain that says, okay, so you want to break up with this guy, but you want to go to prom, but do you want to be that girl who goes to prom to use him and then break up with him? No, that's not really very nice. So maybe she and Jeff could go as friends. Nobody wants to go to prom alone, right? And this way, they could still support each other. It made sense. It made teenage girl sense. It took a second for that to register, and I remember flashing through a whole train of logic in the back of my head, like, okay. I just kind of went, yeah, whatever. It's three weeks to prom. What else are we going to do? And I said, okay, we'll go. So Jeff heads off to band practice, trying to understand what the hell just happened. Did the girl who accepted and wore his promise ring really just break up with him for no reason and with no explanation? And I don't remember very much about the rest of my day until uh, another one of her friends later that same day comes up to me and says, um, Jeff, I know the real reason Kelly's breaking up with you. Do you want to hear it? And I said, well, of course I want to hear it. And she said, well, um, there's uh, going to the Urbandale prom the weekend after ours with this guy that she met at camp. 
Okay, okay, okay. Let's back up here. Prior to Jeff's senior year, Kelly had gone to a summer camp during school vacation. He was really tall, really good looking. <laughs> and it kind of makes you go, <sighs> and all the other girls from my cabin were also doing the <sighs> at other Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yep. You heard that right. The guy that Kelly met at summer camp is also called Jeff. And not only does Camp Jeff have the same name as our Jeff, it sounds like he also has his girl. So we just, we started a friendship because we were at these places. And of course, it's one of those things you're like, okay, we're seeing each other for a week at camp. We'll exchange addresses and that'll be the end of it. And it wasn't. Kelly and our Jeff were in a steady relationship by this point. But meeting Camp Jeff had sparked something inside of her that she found hard to ignore. And along with these new feelings was the already nagging insecurity that our Jeff would be leaving for college and leaving her behind. So she leaned into the possibility of something with Camp Jeff a little more. Um, we continued to write back and forth. And that probably is what put that first, hmm, what else is out there besides what I have right here in Harlan, Iowa? There just, there was a connection there. So some of it might have been protecting my heart while also being a little selfish and wanting to maybe date some other people. Camp Jeff felt different, new and exciting. He wasn't a musician who gave her a ring before running off to college. And he wasn't from Harlan. He was from Urbandale. Des Moines is the capital of the state of Iowa, and Urbandale was, uh, at that time, one of the she-she suburbs. You say Urbandale to a Harlan kid, and they picture a kid in a suit and a fancy car. In other words, Kelly is trading up, or at least that's how Jeff sees it. She wants to date her uptown guy and go to the Urbandale prom. Two proms in two weeks with two different Jeffs. Come on. And she's still a junior in high school, so she'll get to do senior prom next year. But this is Jeff's last prom, the big one. And the girl he wanted to take to prom as his date is now going as his friend because she wants Camp Jeff. So, um, okay, so that's the scoop. With this information on board, I went to find my friend Gary, who... Uh, Turns out that uh, he and his girlfriend, Deb, who was mutual friends with Kelly and I, were all, you know, in this group. And uh, he and Deb were also on the outs. Jeff and his friend Gary, unhappy in his relationship with his girlfriend, Deb, are now two guys really going through it. So we decided, yeah, we've both made promises that we're going to keep. We're going to take girls to the big spring soiree. Um, but that didn't necessarily mean we had to show them a good time. 
Jeff and Gary hatch an audacious plan. They are going to sabotage prom night. Find out how after the break. Prom in the 80s was a rite of passage as far as I was concerned. To this very day, prom is the highlight of a teenager's high school years. It marks the beginning of adulthood and the last time you and all your class get to celebrate together. Preparations can begin months in advance. Everything has to be perfect. You gotta find the right outfit. You gotta arrive in style, preferably in a limo. And most importantly, you gotta have the right date on your arm. If you didn't have a date in those days, you did not go. So to have a date to go to prom was very important to this teenage girl. They might not be together anymore, but Kelly is still looking forward to going to the prom with Jeff. She begins to imagine herself in her dress, the beautiful corsage Jeff will present her with, the banquet meal they will eat, the music that will be playing, and the dancing they'll do. As you watch the movies and you're growing up, you picture this romantic, dim lighting, slow dancing. They're supposed to be these magical, magical nights. It was a, a day that we looked forward to all year long. Jeff and Kelly arrive, and the school gymnasium has been transformed into an explosion of purple and white. It's dripping in fairy lights. There's balloons, satin curtains, ribbons, decorations hanging from the ceiling. It's better than the movies. The pair get their prom photo taken together in front of a trellis arch wrapped in flowers. Kelly is wearing a full-length, long-sleeved, high-necked white lace dress. Her right wrist adorned with the corsage that Jeff has just given her. He's wearing a wide-legged gray suit with matching waistcoat. They look great. And so far, the evening in Kelly's eyes is going so well. In, instead of the normal teenage, uh, you know, man-boy behaving badly naturally, uh, we were normal teenage man boys behaving badly, strategically, deliberately, and with malice aforethought. <laughs> Jeff and Kelly and Gary and Deb get seated at a table where they all enjoy the banquet meal. After dessert, Jeff and Gary's plan kicks into action. We absolutely refuse to mix, mingle, and dance. Kelly and her friend Deb are stuck at the table having to watch from the sidelines as the other girls flaunt their dresses and the other couples pour onto the dance floor for the band's first song. I'm pretty sure my buddy was actually drunk. I didn't drink at that time. I really overcompensated later on, but uh, I do remember pretending that I was uh, a little inebriated. As Jeff and Gary stumble around and slur their words, their classmates are beginning to stare. But for Kelly, 
it still hasn't dawned on her that something weird is going on. I must not have thought it was out of the ordinary for those two to be weird. Now that they have the crowd's attention, the boys decide to take it to the next level. We actually faked an argument. And so, you know, raised voices and we're calling each other names and, and, and na calling people names around us. Jeff and Gary curse and shout into the crowd. They're pissing people off. They want to piss people off. The girls, confused and humiliated, decide they've had enough. They'd rather be seen at prom without a date than with these two assholes. If he starts acting crazy, I'm like, go ahead, have fun, later. I'm going to go over here. You know, I don't need to do that, so I'll just have fun over here. Kelly ends up not having a date at prom after all. The girls abandon us. I mean, wisely, they, they you know, they... Uh, they were gone. I'm pretty sure we embarrassed them to tears. And, and uh, uh, if, if we didn't, then uh, it, it was not for lack of trying. Jeff's plan was a success. He wanted to ruin prom. He wanted to hurt Kelly like she'd hurt him. So why didn't he feel good? I was miserable. I, I was miserable the whole night. I just, I, seal, I sealed my fate. Prom night ends and by design, it's a total disaster. I mean, it's not quite Sissy Spacek with a bucket of pig's blood on her a la Carrie, but it's pretty bad. For Harlan, it is bad. But still, for Jeff, there's no rush of satisfaction knowing that a precious evening for Kelly has been ruined. There's no slap on the back from the boys. There's just nothing. And Jeff can't help but wonder if it was all worth it. There's weeks of school left before the end of the year. Jeff and Kelly still have to perform together in show choir and the spring concert. Things after prom were probably just awkward. You know, um, we'd spent so much time together for so long to then now have this kind of wall between us. It was, it made for a difficult end of the year. We're in the same room together still all day, every day, but I don't think we spoke. They avoid each other as best they can. Kelly goes to the Urbandale prom with Camp Jeff and gets the magical night she hoped for. Meanwhile, our Jeff is left pining, imagining Camp Jeff with a pocket watch and a monocle leading Kelly to a Viennese waltz on the Urbandale dance floor. When I got out of school and left Harlan, I still had our prom picture. In my first apartment, I had, uh, had uh, our prom picture up on the wall. Kelly is like a song that gets stuck in your head. She's like an earworm. He can't forget her. But the feeling of resentment about Kelly, Camp Jeff, and the breakup, he can't forget that either. One thing I've learned is that there's a fine line between carrying a torch and carrying a grudge. Jeff finishes college, moves to Des Moines, Iowa's urban capital, and starts running a successful house painting business. 
he gets married, then divorces, then remarries, then divorces again. There are a lot of significant relationships, a marriage or two, where I, you know, really try to beat her to the hurt. If Jeff feels like a relationship might not be working out, he ends things quickly. I completely and immediately overreact. And uh, so that is a pattern that I repeated again and again and again that uh, I had to learn from. At the same time, Kelly also goes to college and becomes an elementary school teacher. It was in the second school I was in that I met um, my to-be husband. We had this group that got together and eventually paired off. Most of them are still together. We are not. Whoops. <laughs> by 2002, over 20 years have gone by since Jeff or Kelly last saw each other. Then, one day, they're both invited to their high school band director's retirement party. They had a big event, uh, and it was in our high school gym, gymnasium. And it, the place was packed, absolutely packed. There was a, a big gathering for them because they were so, such a huge part of the Harlan community. And because they were such a huge part in my life, I wanted to go also. There were so many people trying to get in that we were like standing uh, in line trying to get into to the gym and we just kind of packed together like sardines. Suddenly, Jeff and Kelly are stood right next to each other in the gymnasium back where it all ended on that fateful prom night. So we were at this thing and happened to see each other. If we talk, what's this going to turn into? Are we going to be, you know, what's this going to be? Is it going to be, uh, are we going to be civil to one another? Or does she want to rehash prom or, you know, what's going on? They ditched the small talk. We ended up sitting down and actually talking, really, like, you know, human beings for the first time. Uh, in 20-odd years. Jeff takes the once-in-20-year opportunity and decides to come clean. He starts talking about their breakup and then prom night. And Kelly learns, for the first time ever, that his behavior that night was all part of a plan to sabotage the big event. Seriously, you did? Was I mad? Uh, I think so. Oh, wow, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I did learn some different facts then about the incident that I didn't know. And, and I keep learning new things about that incident that I didn't know. When he was telling me about it, honestly, I hate to say this. I did not have his perspective. With all this new information... Jeff and Kelly are now both able to empathize with the Jeff and Kelly from back then. It frees them up a little. What I learned from this whole thing is that I spent a ridiculously long time uh, playing the victim. I had choices that I could have made. And I let my attitudes and, and my behavior uh, color a number of significant relationships afterward. And I caused myself and I caused uh, other people, particularly women that I had been involved with, uh, a lot of misery, a lot of misery. You know, Jeff liked to portray himself as the bad guy, the jerk. 
I would never have said that. Never. That's, that's not what's in my memory. I choose to remember the fun and, and the love and the relationship we had and how good he made me feel. And I evidently don't want to remember that I made him feel horrible. It was not my intention. <laughs> Jeff and Kelly then go their separate ways, but not before a hug. Not an exit hug, but an entry, a way into a new phase of their relationship. There's no talk of rekindling their love. Both are content with their lives. Jeff is now happily married, and Kelly loves her life with her two daughters. But they're friends again, just like they were in the beginning. What I learned from it at the end is that I am perfectly capable of love. There was a long period of time where I was really just afraid of it, uh, afraid of getting too close. Because, you know, I was waiting for the next time I was going to be called into a practice room. I want to say that was kind of almost pivotal for us to bring us back to that place where we do know those feelings were there and they were real and that we still want the best for each other. It has taken that wall back down and we can just be who we are as adults now and be good friends. I'm always going to adore the girl and, you know, she's always going to have the hots for me. It's just, you know, inevitable. But I adore the girl. I always will. Our first heartbreak can make us feel like the world is ending, like nothing was real and nothing can last forever. But that's not always true. Jeff still has that prom photo and Kelly still has the ring he gave her. The ring that meant she'd always mean something to him. And somehow, 16-year-old Kelly knew back then that the boy that brushed her blonde, wavy hair just because it felt good would always mean something to her, too. Hey, uh, Tay Diggs here. Uh... Since we recorded this episode, Jeff has been in touch to share some tragic news. Kelly has passed away following a car accident. The production team and I send our heartfelt condolences to everyone who knew and loved Kelly. Here's a statement from Jeff. On Friday night, September 22nd, 2023, at 10 p.m. on a country road in Iowa, a head-on car crash took Kelly's life. She was driving home from watching her godson play high school football in a neighboring town. All of us who knew and loved her, her family and friends, her students from 30 years of teaching, and her entire community are still in shock, and we feel her loss very deeply. But it didn't take this tragedy to teach us how priceless life is. Just being with or around Kelly was enough to convince you of the, the joyful, precious nature of life and love. She was just one of those special people. Kelly and I broke up in high school. But as we left our recording session for this program, she stopped me and said, Wait a minute, Jeff, I want to show you something. And she reached into her purse 
and she pulled out the little single pearl promise ring I gave her when we were dating over 40 years ago. She was smarter than me even then and knew we weren't likely to make it as a couple. The timing wasn't right, and we were just two very young and very different people, but with that simple gesture, she reminded me the connection between us was real, not at all one-sided and equally precious to us both, and I will always be grateful to her for that. And I am grateful to You Had Me at Hello for the opportunity for the two of us to reconnect and reminisce, but it shouldn't take a podcast for us to reach out to those we've loved in our lives, so don't wait. Please don't wait. Love you, Cal. I'm Tay Diggs, and this has been You Had Me at Hello. If you have an incredible love story, please reach out to us at lovestories@sonymusic.com. We'd love to hear it. You Had Me at Hello is a Sony Music Entertainment production. It's hosted by me, Tay Diggs. This episode was produced by Martha Miller, Clem Hitchcock, and Arlie Adlington. The production coordinators are E.K. Egbatola and Lily Hamley. Production manager is Kat Moran. It was written by Femi Keeling and the production team. Alcyona Mick composed the original music. The sound designer is Tom Drew. Isis Thompson, Louisa Field, and Tay Diggs are the executive producers. Special thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson. <laughs>